Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Robots with Ray Guns is back and better than ever. His third full-length album, Fresh As It Gets, is a 15-track dance party, and he's brought some new friends along to make it a truly outrageous experience. An hour-long explosive mix of synth-pop, electro, and hip-hop, these sick beats are sure to keep you grooving all night long. This new classic is available in a limited-edition Digipack CD and features exclusive new artwork by renowned illustrator Reno Massad. Keep it fresh by heading over to robotswithrayguns.com and find out what all the cool kids are blasting on their stereos. Robots with Ray Guns, fresh as it gets. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Andy Last. This is Beyond Synth, episode 28. Yeah, I think it's episode 28. Today on the show is Dallas Campbell. Uh, He's a cool guy with a cool sound, sort of unique in the scene. He sort of creates music that sort of sits within that late 70s, early 80s, kind of weird, psychedelic kind of synth vibe guitars and stuff. Uh, It's pretty cool, and we will get to that in just a second. Now, to take care of some business and to do something fun today, there is going to be a little bit of a contest. Yeah, that's right. Contest. As you heard, today's sponsor is Robots with Ray Guns and his new album, Fresh As It Gets. He has given me a few download codes three to be precise, to give away to some lucky listeners. Uh, Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to have a little bit of fun, and I'm going to ask you a question, but I'm going to ask you at the end of the show to see if you were paying attention. That's right. You can get Robots with Ray Gun's album for free, but you're going to have to listen to the show, and then at the end of the show, I'm going to ask you a question about the show, and then you can message Beyond Synth on Facebook, message the Facebook page, and give me the answer, and if you are one of the first three people, I will send you a download code. And I may even make a little fun video uh, saying who won. So there you go. I suppose you could always just cheat and skip to the end of this episode to find out what the question is to see what you have to listen for. But I know you guys aren't cheaters. I know you're all good guys. 
in your heart. Please follow me on Twitter. I am at Andy Last. Please like the Beyond Synth Facebook page. It makes me feel really good. You can also be my friend. I'm Andy Synth on Facebook. So if you want to friend me, I'll be your friend, man. I'm a cool guy. I'm not a cool guy. Uh, please follow Beyond Synth on SoundCloud. And of course, if you like the shows, because that's where they get posted, please uh, heart them, share them, comment on them. I like to see lots of activity. It makes me feel like people give a shit. Anyone new to the show? The Beyond Synth theme song is by Ogre. Sure thing, off the album Calico Brawn. And always thanks He-Mantis for doing the episode write-ups for me. All right, that's it. We're done. Please enjoy my conversation with Dallas Campbell, and I'll see you at the end of the show. I was putting on some tunes in the background anyway. <laughs> you're, you're already bored. I have ADHD. Do you actually? Uh, yeah, probably. I, I was one of <laughs> I was one of those kids that had multiple TVs. You know, I had my Genesis and my Commodore, like all the TVs lined up. If there was any loading time, I just had to like be doing something. Yeah, that's definitely what <laughs> what would have been happening with that fucking Commodore. <laughs> yeah, the Commodore is it gave you plenty of free time. I forget how to do the things. Like my older brother had a Commodore, so I used to play it but my memory's gone as to how you had to do that like load star dollar sign <laughs> i have that tattooed on my wrist <laughs> it's, lo- <laughs> it's load quotes asterisk quotes comma eight comma one <laughs> <laughs> i have it there so i remember it just in case <laughs> why they didn't find a way to bypass that unnecessary like you'd put the disc in and then you'd have to type in this thing to load the only thing that was on the disc i love it when you do that and you'd have to wait five minutes and get you'd come back in and it, it had loaded but you had to type in run at the bottom <laughs> you're like oh man you gotta type that in then you had to wait another like 15 minutes i used to love uh what were the games i liked i liked the ghostbusters game because it had a really awesome version of the theme song the one you could buy, you know, like customize your car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a sweet one. And then, like the end, the end boss was just Stay Puft moving back and forth in front of a door, and you have to <laughs> yeah, like, you have to run jump between his legs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, that was it was big at like the bootlegging at the time, right? So there was a lot of discs that just had the oh yeah, you know, the white sticker on it with handwriting that oh, yeah. said what game was on the <laughs> on the disc. And what else did I fucking play? It was Ghostbusters? There was this awesome game. Where it was the Wild West. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And yeah, you could pick the conversation so you'd meet up yeah. with people and then you'd have like conversation choices and at the end you could always go draw and then you'd like pull out your gun and you'd have like two seconds to shoot them. <laughs> you could just shoot everybody. Yeah, and it was you? and the whole game, <laughs> what I loved about that game was it was just a series of shootout <laughs> confrontations. That was it. Like there was just it, <laughs> it just it, it, well, you, <laughs> You could kind of talk your way out of it there, right? Or something. It was you could kind of be good or bad. Yeah. I would I would just shoot everybody. Yeah, that's what I did. I know the game you're talking about. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the hell it was called because it was awesome. Like the whole game was just told from the perspective of like your back with your hand over the revolver, like that was the, the eye view, and then you, Law of the West. Law of the West. Like that. That's what it was fucking called. Yeah. <laughs> I still have it. I have it downstairs. <laughs> Law of the West. <laughs> I remember seeing it the other day and setting it aside thinking, ooh, I'm going to get into that and shoot everybody. <laughs> I, I love where video games have gone 
and what video games were. Like, I love the idea that some people sat down and coded a game yeah. called Law of the West, and the entire game is just a series of <laughs> conversations that lead to shootouts told from, like, one specific angle. Like, that was the whole game. <laughs> it's insane. And, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, 30 years or whatever, but... I mean, I was young. Okay, well, here's how young I was because we had a bunch of bootleg games, right? So there was strip poker. I remember that one. No, oh, yeah. I never understood the rules of was poker. That Samantha Fox. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then there was this other game my brother had because he had the he had an older friend too, right? This is this chain of older friends. Yeah, I had a friend with a lot of older brothers. That's where we got all our games too. And I remember there was this one game called Stroker. <laughs> and what Stroker was. <laughs> Was basically a like a masturbation simulation game. Yeah, and it was just a hand on a dink, and like you just had to take like the Epic's joystick and then just like move it up and down really fast. Yeah. The thing was, I was too young because I didn't get it. I understood the humor of the fact that it was a hand on a dink. Yeah. But at the end, at the end of the the round, it would grade you, and then like things would like shoot out the top of the dink, and I and I didn't get that. Like, so that's they'll put you in frame of like how old I was at the time. It's like I don't know what that is at the end. Is that like fireworks? But then I remember um, it would grade you, and it would just say good, bad, rotten. And I and I always got rotten. Like I never understood how to play the game. There's a uh, sex games. Do you remember that one? It was a similar thing. <laughs> it, you just had to wag the joystick back and forth, like, and it would you know, show different things on the screen. <laughs> yeah, those sex games. That, that isn't something you see too much today. No, well, I mean, not on <laughs> not on consoles, anyways. I imagine they exist on PC. That would be a controversial release for Activision. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mothers would be crying in the streets. <laughs> I think my favorite thing about the Commodore was, okay, there was a speech simulator called Sam Say It, yeah, which I love because we made prank calls with it. That was the first speech simulator I think I ever used. Oh, that's great. Those voice chips sound so good on the Commodore. Oh, no, it was amazing. And the way that it would pronounce <laughs> words because it wouldn't account for, you know, like if you typed in the word meat, it would be like meat. <laughs> we did a prank call. And we were saying we were the the Bell phone company. That's like one of the phone companies up here. They're like the big one. And it would be like, this is an automated message from the Bell phone company. We think you are a bunch of snaggletooth motherfuckers. And then we'd like hang up the phone. <laughs> but we'd like, just the way that it would pronounce all the words was always so awesome. I would have loved to receive that call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made my day. <laughs> I would have told everybody about it. The fucking <laughs> Bell phone company called me, man. Like, robot called me an asshole. <laughs> the best thing, my favorite thing of all time from the Commodore. We will stop talking about Commodore after this, but... Uh... <laughs> okay. I do have that tattooed on my wrist. I wasn't just saying that. That was for real. So I could talk about Commodore for a long time. Impossible Mission. Oh, yeah. Has the fucking best scream. Ah. <laughs> I still, I've sampled that scream and put it into like some short films I made. Oh, yeah. Because I love it so much. There's two great samples. Like that game was the Another Visitor. Stay a while, stay forever. Oh, yeah. And I used to, I never understood how to play that game. I didn't get it. Like, I was too young. I didn't get the puzzles or anything. Right. All I did was <laughs> run the guy into the hole <laughs> so that he'd do the scream. <laughs> ah! I fucking I love that yeah. scream so much. Ah! You know what? <laughs> 
<laughs> I've used that same sample in things too. Oh, it's great because it is perfect. Yeah, <laughs> and that and that stay a while, stay forever thing is awesome too. Because yeah. <laughs> that game, it didn't even have music. I'd, all I recall is it was just sort of like there's those boom, footsteps. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I played the, the heck out of that game. I was just doing flips. I thought I thought it looked cool when they did flips over the robot. Did you ever beat it? Maybe when I was in college, I was like, I got to see what this game was really about, but I don't remember. Yeah. Maybe it was too hard, and I was just like, screw this. Let's get a beer. Yeah, we used to play it. We had so many games, man, because of the bootlegging thing, right? Just those boxes of discs. Oh, I still have hundreds yeah. <laughs> downstairs that... That, well, it was so fun, yeah. And you get, remember, you'd have to notch the discs with a hole punch to get double sided. <laughs> Did you know that trick? No, I never knew that. You could punch to the opposite side so you could put games on the other side of the disc, too. Oh, that's interesting. You didn't get that Tips and Tricks magazine. <laughs> no, like it was it was my brother's Commodore, so I was at the whim of whatever he wanted to. Yeah. Oh, and I remember he got a special disk drive, or at least he borrowed it from a friend, and it was like a, a disk drive that could load the games faster. Oh, yeah. And I remember it was like a big deal. It was like, oh, it like loads the games twice as fast, or you put this cartridge in the back of the keyboard. Yeah, the Epic's, Epic's fast load cartridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking epics. All these words that are just in my head. And it's like, yeah, epics. Like, whatever happened to that? The names of companies were real good back then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and Spy Hunter was fucking class. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Although I remember being disappointed slightly with some of the ports that were done better, like, on other systems. Like, I remember... My brother had the Commodore for a while, like, leading into, you know, like, the Nintendo and the Genesis era and stuff. Oh, yeah. So I remember, like, playing the Golden Axe... On the Commodore. Yeah, it's terrible. You gotta get it. It was the worst. It was like, it wasn't even in color. It was sort of like all different shades of brown. And, yeah. And you had an option at the beginning, like, do you want music or sound effects? And it was like a choice you had to make, but it wouldn't do both. Yeah, some of the ports were not so good. And they had that weird port of Super Mario Brothers, like Guiana Sisters. Yeah, or something I remember that. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Guiana Sisters. That's awful. Terrible. And then I remember you could play Guiana Sisters or Gianna Sisters. I think they actually made a remake of that game recently. What? Yeah, whoever owns the rights <laughs> to that actual name made a new, like, Gianna Sisters game for. Uh, PlayStation or Xbox or computer or something. Like a one of those downloadable things? Yes, yes. I'm about to look that up. And then I remember playing the Mario game that was made from it. I don't know which one came first. So there was like a Super Mario game either using the Gianna Sisters or Gianna... I don't know how to say it. I don't know either. Either using the Gianna Sisters game and then making the sprites Mario related or vice versa. But there was a Mario and I remember because I, I played it and it was weird because the color scheme was all strange. Mm -hmm. Like Mario was brown and red. That's a terrible combination. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, man, <laughs> we just talked about Commodore for 10 minutes. <laughs> it's an exciting subject. I'll, I'll introduce you now 10 minutes into the show. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm speaking with Dallas Campbell. How's it going? It's going very well. Thanks for having me. Nice to have you, man. So tell me about Commodore 64. You like it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all right. I like it. <laughs> so talk to me a bit about your music and how you would classify it. <laughs> I'll say my thing, and then you can say if I'm right or wrong. 
Because what your music sort of conjures in me is that sort of psychedelic, late 70s, like disco electronic kind of sound. Not disco like with the beats, but like just the sound choices you use. Yeah. I told somebody this when I first listened to your music. I'm, I probably, I'm going to reuse a quote that I think I said to you as well, but that what your music reminded me of was of this sort of, you know, this made up memory of finding some strange vinyl <laughs> in like a stack of vinyls, you know, purchased in the late 70s. Like my parents always had all these like stacks of records. Oh, yeah. You know, I'd flip through them when I was young and they were mostly like disco and folk and classical, uh, you know, albums. Uh-huh. Your music reminds me of like this sort of this idea of like between a Bee Gees best of and an ABBA record, you know, it's this strange album that's got, you know, your cover <laughs> art on it. And I would take that out and put it in the record. And, and that's the sound. Like I would be... This would be like 1984, right? All the furniture is brown and orange and I'm listening to some record that's maybe about five or six years old. Yeah, that's pretty damn good, actually. You like that? Yeah, I like that. (laughs) I don't really have anything to add to that. That's pretty good. (laughs) That's a good description. I love stuff that has that sound, that time period. Everything's just so smooth sounding. I listen to a lot of stuff like that. And funny how I kind of got into synthesizers and that kind of thing. This was, I don't know, a long time ago. I found a Gary Newman record at a Goodwill, and I was like, man, I kind of remember that. I mean, this was before I even knew what a synthesizer was, really. I was like, I remember that car song, so I bought it, and I put it on, and I was just like, my mind just like exploded. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is insane. So that's how I kind of got into synthesizers and that kind, this kind of music. Talk to me about the track Beautiful Machines. That was a few couple years ago. That was like right when I started getting back into writing music. I hadn't really done. I was making goofy videos with my friends and writing music for those, but I hadn't done any synth stuff in a while. And when my daughter was born, that's when I kind of got back into it. Because I was like, oh, man, what am I going to do with my free time? (laughs) That was like one of the first ones I wrote. I think that's when I got an MKS-70, which is a a rack unit that Roland made. I think I did a lot of that song with that. So it was kind of like an experiment. Just like, hey, I got all this new stuff. Let me see if I can make a song.
Who is um, Jeff Hoskinson? He's just one of my best friends, and we were in bands and stuff together. And he does graphic arts and that whole deal. He made all his videos with me, and he does all the album art. He actually he did he directs other music videos that are just awesome. If you look him up on Vimeo, I think I saw a few. He kind of has sort of uh, like kaleidoscope, yeah, sort of yeah. imagery like running through them. Yep, that's him. I watched a, a video which was actually pretty funny called Meeting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was me and him when we were bored one <laughs> one night, and I was like, "Hey, I wrote this stupid song." They're <laughs> like, "Let's make a video." I think we shot it on an iPhone or something. It was on a green screen, but it was handheld. Yeah, if I recall, yeah. it was a funny video though. <laughs> well, thanks. It was fun to make it. <laughs> meeting, we're in a meeting, and in this meeting, we're gonna bitch about you. Yeah, a meeting, we're in a meeting, and in this meeting, we're gonna bitch about you. Yeah, a meeting, we're in a meeting, and in this meeting, we're gonna bitch about you. Yeah, a meeting, we're in a meeting, and in this meeting, we're gonna bitch about you. Yeah. This all a very exciting stuff. You just got married. Yeah. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we're actually, we just got a couple weeks ago, we got our fingers tattooed for the date of the wedding and whatnot. So it's official. That'll go along with your uh, Commodore tattoo? Yes, it's on the same hand. So. <laughs> I got the important stuff on that hand. Don't cut that one off. <laughs> So that's cool, man. Life, life is good. You're happy. You're happy, man. Oh yeah, it's great. Awesome. Let's talk more about that. Let's talk about being happy today. <laughs> I love being happy. <laughs> you seem like a happy guy. Tell me about how what makes you happy. Well, someone who just listened uh, to the show, right? So people listen to this show. I've listened to it. I, I got a comment saying that uh, they don't want me to laugh as much. Some people hate when others are happy. They're only happy if you're unhappy. With my laugh, it's sort of a, a dual-pronged issue because <laughs> it, maybe it's not so much of the fact that I laugh a lot. It's that I do have an insane laugh. And I do acknowledge that. I get as crazy. <laughs> if, I, if I really get going, it's a high-pitched nonsense hyena-type <laughs> affair. But uh, whatever, I, man. I, I get it. I get, I'll do that once in a while, the hyena. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> feels good. Yeah, it certainly does. If it feels good, do it. Exactly. For example, I get a real kick out of uh, murdering people. <laughs> well, maybe it doesn't apply there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said... When you had your daughter, you sort of started getting into music. Like, how do those things sort of connect? Well, I thought I don't want to leave the house a lot and go, you know, go out doing things, you know, like being at home with them. And so I thought, what am I going to do with myself in at, in the evening? So well, I, I mean, I had some synthesizers and I started playing around with that. And I was like, man, this is fun. I'm going to have to get back into this. So when they're asleep, that's what I do. You say get back into this. So were you doing something before musically? I had done like some electronic stuff and I was in a band that kind of like a B-52s sounding band years ago. I had some sense then and then that, I kind of stopped doing that kind of stuff for a while and then got back into it. It called me back. <laughs> I think I did like an 8-bit sounding album, a few 8-bit albums and then I... Started getting the sense back out and it drew me back in. When you were doing the 8-bit stuff, were you... Uh... 
doing it the pure way or were you just using samples? <laughs> what did I use? I had I use reason and I have I have some synthesizer electron made that has the Commodore chips in it. Right. It is a Commodore internally, I guess. So I was using that too. And I ha- I think I have the Nintendo, like the Nintendo that you can plug a MIDI controller into the cartridge and you can just play the Nintendo. So when did your crazy synth collection begin? I clicked on the more info yeah. on your SoundCloud. Oh, yeah. There's a list titled what I use. <laughs> and then it, and then it's this crazy list of like thousands of synths. So like, <laughs> is this like midlife crisis kind of stuff or what's, uh, what's going on? No, I mean, I had some, I was in like metal bands and we had synths, I had, you know, like Euro metal. We were using synths back then, so I kind of collected them. Not as hardcore, but over time I kind of had a collection. And then I had more free time because I wasn't out fooling around, you know, staying home. And I just learned more about them and then that was it. I just started buying, just craved them more and more, I guess. This is uh, one of my patented segues. <laughs> Tell me about the protostellar phase. That's kind of a collection. I had just been writing and uploading one song at a time. I did it for like a year. I mean, I didn't have a plan to do anything. I was just fooling around. And uh, the Dharma guys asked me to put together an album. I said, well, I have all these songs. Why don't you just pick some? You know, they picked their favorites and I, I kind of arranged them and came up with that album. One of my favorite tracks on that one is uh, Portals. <laughs> yeah, that was when I, I guess I just playing around with Tangerine Dream type of sound, I guess, influenced that. Is there any meaning behind the uh, three Zs <laughs> or Zs as you Yanks put it? <laughs> I guess that would just be how I would say it. Portals. <laughs> <laughs> I come up with most things late at night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> studio like separate from your home do you feel like when you're in the studio you are you're transported to a different place or (laughs) yeah it's i'm actually like in an attic type of area which is way better than the basement (laughs) which is where i used to be but i I, (laughs) yeah i have like curtains that i draw and you know set the mood for myself 
dim the lights. <laughs> <laughs> A small living space will drive you crazy. Oh, yeah. Especially if there's other people in it with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a small living space on your own, I guess, isn't so bad. No, it's uh, it can be a crazy thing, and especially with kids. Now that, I mean, how old's your daughter? It's a daughter, right? Uh, two. Yeah, see, my son's three... Well, he will be four soon. Nice. And uh, so he's getting into games. He's really big into the, the PS4. So I finally found a happy medium because I really like local co-op games and like split screen, like whenever I can get those. Yeah, those are hard to come by nowadays. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be like a, a dying breed. And it sucks because the systems now are so powerful that they can do them properly. Like there was a time, you know, when everyone was playing Goldeneye and stuff and it was a very exciting time. Oh, yeah, of course. But the systems couldn't handle split screen. No. <laughs> No. This is amazing, but the other day, I felt like because of playing the N64, I had a superpower and it was an edge over the other players because I was playing Watch Dogs on the <laughs> PS4, I was online, and something was going on with the internet connection or the stability of whatever, and so the frame rate dropped to like <laughs> two frames a second, okay? Uh -huh. And it was during a, it was during a race, <laughs> and at that moment... It was like, you know, I see all the other cars crashing and stuff, but since I played Perfect Dark and Goldeneye so much, <laughs> I was used to playing a game that would go to like two frames a second, like when stuff was happening. <laughs> so I almost became like Neo in the Matrix, where like I knew everyone else was crashing their cars, but I could see through the two frames a second. And to me, it was 60 frames. And like, so I was, I was driving through the city, like dodging shit with the car. And it was amazing. That's a frustrating thing because now the systems, if you do split screen, you can have like, you know, 30 frames a second and your screen split four ways and the graphics, you know, still look good in each of the squares and stuff. Yeah. And they don't fucking do it. Yeah, I don't know why they don't do it. Everybody just wants to play Call of Duty and that type of deal. But ironically, Call of Duty does still have split screen. I know. Yeah, that's true. So I end up playing that with friends and I, but... The whole point of this whole story is I found a happy medium oh, right. with my son. I, for, I totally forgot. Which was? <laughs> I forgot we were even interviewing. Yeah, yeah. I thought we were just talking. <laughs> it's this game they, they put out. I think it was actually, it's been out for the Xbox for a while, but it's called Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. Why it's great is I can play it with my son because it's a third person shooter, essentially, but they're cartoon plants and cartoon zombies. Uh -huh. So I'm satisfying my split screen gaming need in that I'm running around <laughs> shooting things because all the plants you play as are just analogous for different kinds of guns. Uh -huh. So it's like the sunflower is a machine gun and the cactus is a sniper <laughs> rifle. So we sort of get the best of both worlds. So we're playing like a split screen survival like horde mode basically, but uh, oh, yeah. we're not actually killing people because he... My son picked up Destiny. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'll be getting that. And uh, he picked it up, and I was like, well, he's not going to be able to do anything because he's never played a first-person shooter before. Mm -hmm. He picked it up, and he got it within minutes. It's awesome. And he was running around meleeing people, like fucking <laughs> punching guys who were too close. And I was like, I was so proud in one aspect because I'm going to be one of those parents who's proud of the video <laughs> game accomplishments but like doesn't endorse any sort of physical activity. Take pictures of his high scores. Yeah. <laughs> hang him in your cubicle. I always joke about 
about that with friends, about being one of those overbearing fathers who, you know, wants their son to be successful, but instead of doing it with sports, doing it with video games. <laughs> so like get out the N64 and just like, you are going to appreciate the game. Every night you are going to play two hours of Perfect Dark and like, oh, I don't want to, dad. I'm like, you're going to play the fucking game. I'm like, just like, <laughs> be one of those dads. <laughs> so do they still have this big tournament, like game tournaments? They do. Those are intense, though. Like, I've seen some footage. Like, I'm not too keen on watching other people play games. Yeah. So whenever I see, like, they'll post videos of, like, oh, it's the Evo, you know, fighting game tournaments and stuff. I'm like, it's interesting to watch expert players play games that I'm terrible at, but I can do it for maybe a minute. And that's like, why would I do this? Yeah, that's definitely a sport that I can't watch. (laughs) (laughs) I have a hard time watching someone in the same room playing a game. I want to just smack the controller out of the hand and say, give me a thing, man. Yeah, well, that's why <laughs> that's why I love uh, split screen, especially I love split screen co-op. I wish there was a lot more yeah, of that. Yeah. Last generation, there was a few games. Even when the game's not amazing, you can still have a pretty good experience just because you're playing with a friend. Definitely. I was playing with my buddy. We played those Army of Two games. Mm. They're mediocre third-person action games, but as soon as you're playing with a friend, it's like um, when you watch kids play playing so like i see that with my son how you know when you see him play with other kids and they do that um they're playing with another kid but they're not really they're just sort of playing their own thing right next to each other yeah 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 and that's and that's the way like playing (laughs) co-op with a friend on the couch it's like you're having fun because you're playing together and talking with each other but you're essentially doing your own (laughs) thing you know like a little kid (laughs) yeah you can high five each other There was another track I really liked on uh, on Proto Stellar Phase, and that was a track called Return to Earth. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I recall that one. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of those where I kind of, I learned some things during during writing that one or recording that one. That was one of the milestones, probably. I don't know why. I finally got it, maybe. Yeah, I just got a SH-101, and I think I wrote a lot of that song with that one. What did you learn? I always had tried to, you know, put 8,000 cents all going at the same time. I think I just was just overloading. I learned to draw it back a little bit.
did you sort of figure out that this was your sound? Because it is distinctive from when I listen to other music sort of in the, you know, the scene. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's the 80s inspired stuff. But the style of your music and that sort of weird, like psychedelic kind of like 70s stuff yeah. is still very much to me the 80s because that sound bled into my childhood. And there's other guys who have made some tracks that also gave me that similar feeling. Mm -hmm. I think like Star Force has had some tracks like that where they sort of gave me that feeling of like being really young. And, you know, when everyone talks about different decades and and the stuff that was happening, a lot of that stuff still sort of spills over into the next decade. Oh, yeah. And it's almost like, you know, a decade doesn't really become what it is until like, you know, the halfway point. Yeah, but that is exactly that. that, Yeah, I don't I'm not making 80s or 70s on purpose. I I think I am like mentally stuck in that transition period from hippie to (laughs) 80s person i don't know like it's somewhere in there it's somewhere in like 79 to 82 maybe it's the gear that i have it's not like i sit down and say i gotta make an 80s song it's just i just sit down and whatever happens happens i mean i i have like kind of made music but i don't release them publicly because i'm not proud of it well you should but what's (laughs) but what's (laughs) i'll disregard that but what's what's uh, interesting is it is different sounds that would always inspire a track. So I would go, I mean, I, I've never really dealt too much. I mean, it's all been, you know, soft sense that I would do stuff with. But, mm. you know, I would I would be like scrolling through samples, presets. And then when I got to a, a certain type of preset, it would all of a sudden just inform the song. Oh, yeah, definitely. If I ever have any, you know, writer's block or whatever, I always use a Sequential Circus Pro 1. I always have an idea. All of those like smooth disco 70s sounding leads I do is that thing. Anytime I pull that out, it automatically sounds like it's from that era. Right. So that, I mean, that you're, you're on to something. Because <laughs> as, <laughs> as soon as I dial in the sound, you know, it always ends up sounding like that. <laughs> David Klug, and what is Dallas Campbell as Big Guns? <laughs> well, Dave, Dave is, he's one of my best friends, too. He's a mastering guy that lives in Pittsburgh, and he masters all my stuff, and we were in a bunch of bands together. Big Guns was just like a, it was sort of 8-bit sounding. I think I did it mostly in Reason, but he, I think he did all the drums in that, and we always do projects together. We've been doing music forever. Yeah, the Big Guns was just something that I did when I started to kind of get back into synthesizers. So I started using Reason. And I was like, uh, I need something, you know, I need something better. Mm-hmm. But heck, I, even at that point, I didn't even know much about CV or Gate or MIDI or really anything. Right. <laughs> Other than, you know, I was like, well, how do I how do I make this computer interact with this synthesizer? I just... But, you know. <laughs> I don't want to break the interview, but I just, you and I are speaking on Skype right now. Yeah. And I just looked down for the first time and saw what your Skype picture is. <laughs> oh, what is it? <laughs> the magician with the kid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's a VHS tape that I took a picture of. I bought that this week at Goodwill. <laughs> what is it? It's like an instructional video for magicians. <laughs> From like 83 or something. I just looked down. 
because that that dude's real creepy the the adult man oh yeah well he looks creepy i should explain to the audience what it is it's a picture of a guy in sort of a tuxedo with a red bow tie he's got he's got blonde hair and a mustache he's standing next to a kid and they're both holding those magic wands with the black uh, wand with the two white ends and they're both sort of smiling at the camera <laughs> he's giving sort of a creepy smile and the kid is sort of giving like a he's smiling but afraid if you look in the upper left hand corner it, some kid has written their name on it the fuck's their name Nooth? it's like Nooth, yeah something like that <laughs> His name is Nooth. <laughs> I, I have no idea. <laughs> There's some pretty pretty quality magical moments, though. He gives away a lot of secrets. He's like the precursor to the masked magician. Yeah, I'm surprised. Well, he may be dead. I don't know. I don't know his whereabouts today. He may have been taken out by, by some magician. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. It's just... um. You know, when you leave Skype on for long enough, sometimes the boxes will just kind of automatically shift around. <laughs> and so that's why I caught the corner of my eye because that picture just became really big on my <laughs> monitor. And so I just looked down. I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I, I forgot that I'd put that as my profile picture. I think mine's still Michael Keaton as Batman. Yeah, it is. I'll have to digitize that VHS one of these days. Ghostbusters! <laughs> <laughs> What do you uh, do for fun then over there? Are you just is your fun your music? We're talking about uh, playing games earlier. Like, do you still kind of play games or what's what do you? A little bit. I do play some with like the kids, and I play with the dudes from work online. So I'm, I am going to get Destiny in that. So I do that for fun, but mainly I do music. Yeah, yeah. That's usually what I'm doing. What do you game on? I'm planning on getting a PS4, or at least one of the kids is going to get one for their birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how many kids are there? Three. Whoa, you got like a busy house. We're exploding out the walls. Jesus. That's why we had to move. Man, I got the one and I like it's too much. Oh, yeah. Because he was actually pretty good. And then uh, and then now he's very demanding. And <laughs> yeah, I get I get a lot of demands yeah. thrown my way. <laughs> but I love it. I, I do all of it. No, it, it is awesome. Get, I'm a pushover. <laughs> I mean, my favorite are still those sort of quiet moments. It's when he's like starting to get tired, so he will just kind of sit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they get very, it's like they have so much energy, he can't sit down. Like, it's just, he's always kind of moving or jumping around or something. It's like if he does sit still, his legs start like flailing all over the place. You got to kind of lure him into that. Yeah. <laughs> it's You, you kind of got to trick him quietly, trick him into, you know, laying quietly. Nothing can distract them or they they jump up out of there. Yeah, that's why it always has to be that moment where they're about to pass out because then we can actually watch a movie I want to watch <laughs> yeah. or, you know, play a game I want to play and then it sort of works. I mean, the other day we were watching uh, Batman, like uh, Tim Burton Batman. Yeah. And one of my like favorite things that's I think ever happened recently, there's that scene where Joker has those balloons and they're shooting out the laughing gas stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and then Batman shows up in the Batwing and takes the balloons away. Yeah. And then, ja and then Jack Nicholson yeah. looks up and he's like, he stole my balloons. <laughs> well, at that moment, my son started to get kind of like that pouty face. <laughs> and he's like, why did Batman steal Joker's balloons? 
<laughs> I don't want Batman to steal Joker's balloons. That's a tough one to explain. <laughs> I'm trying to be like, you know, well, those are bad balloons. Like the... He's never heard of such a thing. Bad <laughs> balloons. You're crazy. And then the other day, it's funny how once kids get these images in their heads, they're always there. Oh, yeah. And we were, we were walking in the park and... Um, there was a bunch of ducks in like a pond and the pond had sort of green water. And he thinks that Joker just fell into green water and that's what made him the Joker. Yeah. So now he's like, he's just like, oh, those ducks better not go in the water. They're going to turn into Joker or whatever. Like, <laughs> so I'm trying to be like, no, no, those were chemicals. Like, it's so hard to <laughs> try and explain because, you know, when I think about it, and I may have talked about this before, this exact example, but it's so funny when you watch movies as an adult that you watch when you were a kid and you start to see all these things that like, oh, wow, like I never actually understood the story of this movie. I've realized, you know, a little while ago, but I don't think I understood anything until I was like <laughs> 25. I don't think I had any kind of comprehension of anything that was going on around me. To use Batman as an example, I never understood the whole political aspect of, yeah. you know, Grissom, the mob boss, would actually, like, frame Jack Nicholson because he was sleeping with the lady. Like, I didn't get any uh, of that. Like, it wasn't until I was older, like, oh, that's the story. Like, as a kid, <laughs> I didn't pick up on any of those things. I also never picked up on why he's got the smile, even though they break the logic of that later. Right. But, you know, like, because he gets shot and the bullet goes through both sides of his face. So, he stitched him up and then that's the, the scene. But, like, I didn't pick up on that as a kid either. I thought it was all to do with the chemicals. I've thought about this at least a few times. Like, what was what was even going through my mind while I was sitting here looking at this? I know that I didn't understand one damn thing that was going on. I was just sitting there like this staring at it. Yeah. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Destroy him, my robot. That's when I really got big into movies was, was in high school, mm -hmm. where pretty much a lot of my favorite films are from. Right. Sometimes it's hard to, to know whether or not I like a lot of them because of the nostalgia. That's always a tricky thing. I don't like having that conversation because I don't like when people try to convince me that the only reason why you like the cartoons from your time is because they were the cartoons when you were a kid. And I'm like, no, they were better. <laughs> like, they, they were better. Like, I, I watch the cartoons now, and I think the other ones were better. But what if it is just nostalgia, and what if I'm wrong? I'm not sure. I don't know what the answer to that. It's a great question that'll plague minds <laughs> for <laughs> centuries to come. <laughs> I mean, kids kids nowadays, like, ladies, and they like retro stuff. Isn't that in? Is that trending, or is that... <laughs> I know kids who prefer the Star Wars prequels over the other ones hmm. because those are the ones they watched as a kid. Hmm. And that sucks. But they're wrong. They're wrong. Like those kids are wrong. That's at least that's not in dispute. Yeah. You can analyze and, and break down and, and mathematically explain how the prequels are terrible films. <laughs> but, you know, with the cartoons things, it's a little bit different. I definitely know when they try to remake something nowadays, it's usually worse. I know that for sure. Cartoons and movies, all of that. Anytime they try to remake something, I don't <laughs> I don't want anything to do with yeah. that usually. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it away from me. What is Magic Happened? That is myself and my bud, Nate Musser. He lives in Tennessee, and I live in West Virginia. So when he's up here on holiday, we uh, record a little bit whenever we have time. West Virginia! Is that a song? Country Roads, Take Me Home. Yeah, that song. Does he say West Virginia? 
Yeah, I think so. That's like our theme, our proud anthem. I hear it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it a whole lot. West Virginia! Yeah. I've heard it too much. Let's just talk about that song from now on. Yeah. I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> so keep talking about uh, Magic Happen. So how do you... Oh, right. I mean, your sound kind of bleeds into that project as well. Yeah. What to you is like sort of the difference? Is it just like your buddy is the difference? Yeah, and I'm finishing up another EP that we did right now, and I'm going to try to get... We try to get a few other people to play on it. And Usually, when he's here, I just grab synths or guitar, and I just like put it in his hand and say, here, play, and I hit record. And I just keep putting things in front of him, and I record him just doing a bunch of stuff. <laughs> and then he leaves. He's usually only here for a few days, so when he leaves, I take it all and arrange it, and I play, you know, I add stuff to it and make songs out of it. The first album was... Uh... The Ballooner Takes Flight. Yeah, that was the fir- our first try at it. So what's your uh, like favorite track from that one? I think it's Thermosphere. It's like the dancey one. I like that one. the name magic happened mean i think i was like yelling at him when he, when he was recording and i he was just zoning out and doing a solo or something and i was yelling for him to stop and i said what's happening in there you know and he was like magic happened <laughs> <laughs> that's where it came from <laughs> that's awesome he just like silently looked up and he was like magic happened and it was obvious then that that was the name of the project yeah <laughs> All your tracks tend to have a theme, like title themes within sort of the albums. Yeah. So is that something you do intentionally? Or is it sort of, do you do that afterwards where you, you take the whole album and say, well, this is going to have a space theme. So so that each track name is going to have some sort of, right. you know, like name of a planet or something. Or I think uh, with Origin Seeds, I gathered the theme of that one was uh, marijuana. <laughs> It might have been in there a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you might have picked up on something. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was really subtle, I know, but <laughs> yeah, I've learned it is more fun if you kind of have a big picture, you know, in mind beforehand to know what the heck you're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Usually, the sooner I can do that, the better. 
but sometimes it doesn't happen until like at the end. That ballooner takes flight thing. We came up with the idea for it all first, and then we wrote the songs to fit. You know, we looked up. I was like, "Oh, dude, look at these levels of the atmosphere. That's perfect." Yeah. You know, for the names of the songs or whatever. <laughs> so, so we just wrote the songs. You know, what we thought those each level or layer would sound like, which was awesome. I loved doing that. So I've tried to kind of do that since then. At least have an idea of like what the end is gonna be. This is sort of a, a silly aside, but I saw a photo of you. You used to have like long hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now it's short. But I saw this funny picture of you and I had a funny idea. It was you, I think you're in a restaurant, and you look wasted. It looked like you were drinking some wine. <laughs> it's a picture of you looking directly into the camera. Okay. You're pouring a glass of wine. <laughs> Did I have long hair? No, you had short hair. Okay, I know what you're talking about. In that picture, I was thinking, you know what you'd probably be able to pull off for Halloween is uh, Aragorn. <laughs> in, in that particular picture, I'm not saying you look exactly like Viggo Mortensen, but I think yeah. that there you you're capable of having that face that if you like grew the stubble and had like a wig a wig on or something, I think you could pull off Aragorn for Halloween. I'm gonna have to look into that. Yeah, I have I have some wigs that would probably work with that. So tell your wife she can be whatever suits the cosplay need. <laughs> You've made our Halloween much easier. Yeah. <laughs> There's these pictures of you with long hair, but for some reason the picture with the short hair was the one was the one that I looked at and went, "You could probably do Aragorn." <laughs> so there you go, do Aragorn for Halloween and post the pictures up. It's a good idea. <laughs> I'm, I'll, I'll get the people on it. I like telling people things like that, but I haven't dressed up for Halloween in uh, like 20 years. 20 years? Yeah. No costume parties. No, I never do the costume party thing. Wow. What happened was I got stubborn. I want to do a particular costume. I've talked about this on the show before, is I want to do Scorpion from Mortal Kombat, but I want it to be good. Okay. So I've never done it because <laughs> because it's like, I don't want to go to the store and buy one. Like I want to make one, but I want it to be not overcomplicated. Like I want it to look like from the game, but with its own, you know, like, like making one cool, you know, wear the white contact lenses and have like a spear on a rope and stuff you want to do it the right way but also i'm not uh, i'm like i'm not built properly for it like there's this thing i'm just like i really want to do it but at the same time like i'm not muscular enough <laughs> and so i'd want to like prep for it like in the year by like <laughs> you have to train for a year yeah yeah <laughs> work out and like get this wicked costume like I have a hard time like half-assing things, even though things I make are stupid. <laughs> I always end up putting a lot of myself into like the things that I do. Mm -hmm. And then it always upsets me a bit that, that women can just so easily just be a sexy something and then <laughs> they'll get all the attention, which is fine. Like there's nothing wrong with women in sexy outfits. In fact, it's great. But yeah, I just want to do a scorpion, like an awesome one. And no one would care because you wouldn't really see your face. Yeah. The whole sexy, sexy woman costume at Halloween is sort of the best of both worlds. Mm. You know, they get to be attractive and so everyone will look at them and be happy that they have their cleavage out and stuff. And at the same <laughs> time, they're also dressed up. So they're they're also like fulfilling the, the Halloween aspect. <laughs> Whereas like with a guy, all the costumes that I want to do would be really like overcomplicated things. Halloween is a fine line, the costume for a man. Yeah. <laughs> that's because. Too complicated a costume can make you look dorky. Yeah, yeah. Or you could, if you pull it off, you could be the the man of the night. Yeah, and that's the thing. And, and there's no knowing that balance because it's just going to depend on the company you keep. 
So yeah, if you do put too much work into it and it's just like, oh, like this is just supposed to be fun and silly. And then (laughs) fuck you. Like at the same time, I would also want the attention and the acknowledgement that I did a good job. (laughs) So if I do all this work and then everyone's laughing because some guy like walks in with some like joke costume. This is a suck on his dick. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, like that would get the thing and everyone would be laughing. I'm just like... Like, you fucking asshole, like, I've been I've been making this scorpion costume for two years, you know what I mean? But I would wear it every Halloween. Like, I know there's some dudes who have, like, these, like, really elaborate predator costumes. That's just like, you know, that's what they are. Like, every Halloween, I'm going to be the predator because this costume's wicked, you know? So you'd have to keep training for your entire life to keep it up. Yeah, man. <laughs> Maybe I'm just more interested in doing cosplay. But then that's nerdy, too. I don't know. Hey. If that's what you want to do, then I think you should do it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want you to miss out on something that you want to do in life. Yeah, I I, I feel like that's what the midlife part's for. (laughs) I'm a big nerd for certain things, but I've never done that much of like the super nerdy aspects of those. Like, I'm just like, I'm a big Doctor Who fan, but Mm. I don't go to convention. I've never been to a convention. You know, I've never been to, you know, I'm 32 years old. So I've technically liked it since I was a child. You'd think at some point, like, well, if you're a big fan, you go to a convention, right? I've never done it. Yeah. Do you have a nerdy pursuit? You're a cool guy? You sound like a cool guy, so I don't know what the... Well, I have a lot of synthesizers. <laughs> it's sort that's, of nerdy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not kid ourselves. I'm definitely not a rock star. <laughs> it's pretty nerdy what I do. <laughs> Sit alone, twist some knobs into the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> I think I, I would enjoy doing that using like the real synths. I, fi- I find like using soft synths, it's not fun. It's no fun tweaking digital knobs, but it's fun to do it in real life. I agree, but there, there's definitely people that use soft synths that sound great. But I like to have something to touch and, you know... <laughs> turn and i'm just gonna take that quote out of context <laughs> use that out of context go ahead <laughs> I, I, what were we saying we're, we're talking about tweaking nips is what we were talking about yeah i like to tweak them <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> Talk to me about Origin Seeds. Now, this is the album that, to tie things around full circle, was where I came up with that whole elaborate story of what your music reminds me of. Right. And I think this is a really cool album. Thanks. I, yeah, I just like the way the, all the tracks sort of like work with each other, like within the theme. I like the sound of it. It's nostalgic in a way that, I don't know, like the nostalgia of it sort of took me back to like a different time that I wasn't ready for. You know, like when I'm listening to the 80s stuff, mm-hmm. I talk about the 80s stuff like it's nostalgic, but to me, it's really not because it's music that I love so much that like I like when it's new. Yeah. It's using samples and sounds that I liked from a previous time, but I like the newness of it, even though a Mm -hmm. lot of people are trying to recreate an 80s sound. But to me, it's new. Whereas Mm -hmm. yours uh, and Origin Seeds sounds legitimately retro, that it could have been this old record. And then listening to it just took me back. Well, that's cool. Thanks. I feel like this is what... (laughs) My, my early sort of childhood felt like, and I, I could look around and, and see the ugly furniture and the... <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm old. <laughs> and I actually lived through it. Mm-hmm. I was in the shit. I was in the brown furniture and all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the orange and, the, you know. Yeah. And I have an affinity for that, so maybe... 
Maybe it is because I'm old. There was a carpet that we recently ripped up from our attic, mm. and it literally was brown, orange, yellow, <laughs> and it was like this weird like smattering pattern. Like It looked like pizza. Yeah. Like, what a fucking ugly carpet. It's just fucking <laughs> pizza. I carpet. love it. <laughs> I love it. One of my favorite tracks on this one was a track called Stardust. Yeah. That's kind of a disco one. That's kind of like a space disco. Sort of, right? Yeah. Am I thinking of the same thing? the first one I wrote I was worried that it wasn't gonna fit I had written it and used it on a comp I always thought it was too long and I hated the way the drum sounded so I redid that cut out half of it and remixed it and everything but I think it fits (laughs) obviously I'm still on the fence if it fits or not when and how did you connect up with uh with my buddy droid bishop (laughs) we were acquaintances online acquaintances (laughs) for a while and just you know talked about random crap and i knew that he played guitar so i hadn't heard him play guitar i'd seen pictures of him thought and i was like man this song really needs a guitar solo (laughs) (laughs) and i wasn't even gonna put it on there if he if he didn't put the guitar on there i wasn't even gonna put it on the album Ooh. You know, I sent him a message and sent it to him, and I was like, you, you know, you want to play a guitar on this? And it was like, I think it was like an hour later, he sent it back, like his guitar part. He was like, I don't know if it's any good. or I was like, you're a moron. <laughs> I mean, it's it's amazing. What are you talking about? So, yeah, that was the easiest collab that I've ever done, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it totally made the track. He can definitely shred. That track was called Cygnus Operation.
none of the other songs are very fast, so I was like, uh, maybe I should write something, you know. So I did, on purpose, kind of write it like that, thinking maybe I could get someone to do a guitar solo on it. Because there's no way I can, I mean, I could play chords. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And obviously I was pleased with his performance. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, holy shit, you can play guitar. The other track uh, that I really liked on Origin Seed was a track called Horizons. Is it Horizons 2? It is. Yeah, that song I really like. That's a cool one. Thanks. That was the other one I had a hard time fitting in. The version I wrote at first sounds really nothing like the one that's on the album. It was way more electronic. I added all the bass and guitar later to make it fit, feel like it fit, at least with the other songs. Uh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I, I trailed off there for a minute. That was the second song, that and that Stardust song. I had written those two, and then I did. we did The Magic Happened. We recorded that album, that or that EP, the Blooner EP, and after I finished that, I came back and I had these two songs and like a few little parts that I'd started, and I kind of went a different direction. So at the very end, I it was hard to you know incorporate those, so I kind of had to re rework them. I kind of got maybe more away of the disco and went more, I guess, just more straight up electronic, which is probably why it feels eclectic. It was a weird span of time. Like I was working on it real a lot, and then I worked on something else, and then coming back to it, and then trying to like you know fit it all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing that's sort of interesting about that one, which connects to this show, there was a track that you used your wife in as mm -hmm. being a sort of a robot voice thing. Right. I needed like a female robot voice. Everybody needs one. I've received several comments from listeners who comment about the language in the show. You know, we do swear a lot. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it'd be a good idea to put a disclaimer on. So that disclaimer's been there for a while. And it is actually your wife. And you uh, recorded those for me. Yeah. I love the sexy female robot voice. <laughs> <laughs> I've always had a soft spot in my heart for that. <laughs> she did all all the samples and all that stuff I use. It's always me getting her to do it. I like get her, you know, to sample her voice and all of those weird chipmunk sounding weird samples I use. It's all her just making her make sounds and stuff. Did you ever use one of your kids in a track? Yeah. At the beginning of that Stardust So song, that's the one that goes, goes like, daddy, daddy. And it does the weird thing. <laughs> yeah, that's my daughter. <laughs> she wanted to sing in the microphone. I had that song up and just hit record. So it was on the track. So I just left it in there. I couldn't delete it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? You mentioned you have some stuff coming up. So you were saying you were doing more Magic Happened? Yeah, I'm right now working on finishing that, putting a little decorative things on them. <laughs> and it should be done after that. Have Dave Klug master it. I love words that have the ooh sound. <laughs> like they're just funnier than regular words. Yeah, it's fun to say. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Klug. Klug. <laughs> Yeah. I'd have a lot of fun with that. Of course, everybody calls that guy Klug. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> it is a fun fun thing to say. When do you think that's going to be done? It might actually be done by the time this thing airs. It could be. We have some people recording some stuff to put on it that have to send it to me. So however long that process takes is really, you know, that's the, it depends on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably a month or a month and a half, something like that. 
I was looking at my to-do list on it. (laughs) (laughs) Make music. A lot of vocoder to do. Is that how you work? Do you have like a checklist of things? Yeah. Yeah. I remake the list like every other day too. Mm -hmm. It's usually when I get too tired at night and I'm like nodding off. I'm like, all right, I got to see what I got to do. So I make a list. I do the same thing. I find it it helps me uh, because you have that sense of completion. Oh, yeah. It it definitely helps. Especially if you make the to-do list like all the minor tasks. Mm Mm-hmm. So like when I when I'm doing like video editing and stuff, like I'm not going to have a task be like finish the edit, <laughs> you know, but if it's just like do laser beam that's shooting out of man's eye, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. put explosion in sky, you know, like just like little little notes. And so I can actually feel like even if I just accomplished a few things, uh, putting that check mark down is a really it feels good. Yeah, it's a booster, man. Look what I accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> I put a bunch of check marks on a piece of paper. Let me make a new list so I can accomplish more. Yeah. You have a fantastic West Virginia afternoon. Hey, you too. (laughs) You're in Canada, aren't you? I am, yeah. (laughs) Did I say enough of boots for you to to isolate where I'm from? I had a suspicion you're north. I remember because I commented on your your wife's accent with the robot voice. Oh, yes, that's right. She was like, what do you mean accent? I was like, he's from Canada. Yeah, because what I I noticed is was the, it's the please note. Yeah. Because I say, you know, please note. Yeah. And she says... Please note, like that. <laughs> yeah. It's the Ohio Valley accent, but it's southern, southern United States. A little twang, country twang, a little bit. I always get confused about how time zones work. <laughs> I'm always like thinking about the lines on the on the screen. Like it's funny how there's some people who are you know closer to me, but are in a different time zone. Yeah. Than yeah. people who can be like further away. But in the same time zone, like whenever I hear that someone's in the same time zone as me, I'm always just like, oh, they must live yeah. re- relatively close. And it's like, <laughs> no, that doesn't work. But that's because I'm a, a big idiot. I'm an idiot too. Don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, man, it was good talking to you. And uh, we you look, look forward to your stuff, your, your upcoming stuff, music stuff. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Photos of you dressed as Aragorn. <laughs> yeah, I'll get on it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> All right, take care, dude. All right, man. And that was Dallas Campbell. We had a lot of fun talking about Commodore 64. That was a good time. A lot of reminiscing there. And speaking of Commodore 64, it's time for the trivia question so that you guys can get your hands on some free Robots with Ray Guns album action. I have three download codes to give away, as I said. And the question is, when Dallas and I were talking about Commodore 64, we started talking about a game that takes place in the West, the Wild West, all right? And I would like to know, what was the name of that game? We both got excited about it when we remembered what it was called, so you got to tell me. You don't have to be super exact, but if you, you know, get in the ballpark. You know, sometimes there's some video games that are called, like, A Battle in Space, and if you said the answer was battle in space, I would accept that. So you understand what I'm what I'm getting at. So what is the name of the Commodore 64 game that Dallas and I talked about that takes place in the West? The Wild West, which is an awesome game. So let me know and I will tell everybody who the winners are in a day or so. And it'll be great.
As always, thanks for listening. Um, If you are listening to this episode months later, please do not answer the trivia question. (laughs) You will win nothing. Uh, But you can always go and check out Robots with Ray Guns and listen to the album on Bandcamp. I hope you guys have a lovely day. Uh, We've got two more episodes left this season and a special bonus episode coming up, which I will tell you more about later because you guys are going to be really excited for that, sort of. Hope you have a lovely day. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Another visitor. Stay a while. Stay forever. Ha 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 ha.